If uh, you guys want to turn in your Bibles just to the book of Ephesians, you can do that because that's where we're going to be spending all of our uh, time uh, this morning. I've been attending the women's Bible study and have been learning a lot that I'd like to share with you uh, this morning. No, I'm kidding. But the ladies have been studying through Ephesians, so you ladies will probably appreciate being in this book this morning. Uh, The title of the message is The Cornerstone Walk. The Cornerstone Walk. Our purpose statement as a church is helping people journey from brokenness to wholeness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Helping people journey from brokenness to wholeness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our purpose statement assumes that the Christian life is one of movement from the brokenness of sin to wholeness in Christ. And our use of the word journey reflects our awareness of the fact that this transition from brokenness to wholeness does not happen overnight but involves a journey. It's a journey that begins at conversion and a journey that ends at our glorification in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It should not surprise us that when John Bunyan wrote his classic allegory on the Christian life, he called it the pilgrim's progress. A pilgrim is a traveler, And John Bunyan depicts his pilgrim's progress as a journey from the brokenness of sin all the way to the celestial city. And it's a journey that he makes largely by walking. Bunyan gets his imagery of walking from the New Testament, where one of the key words conveying the image of how we journey through life to the celestial city is the word walk. Think about what walking is. Most of us don't even have to think about what walking is. We just do it. Walking is putting one foot in front of the other in order to get yourself from point A to point B, right? Most people who are walking do so because they have a destination in mind, and getting to that destination involves walking, That's why most of us walk, unless we're just trying to get in steps for Fitbit, to pad our Fitbit statistics. So the word walk was a fitting word for New Testament writers, including the Apostle Paul, to use to speak of the pilgrimage of the Christian life. For the Christian, the word walk means to put forth effort to journey through life toward your ultimate destination, which is heaven. One other thing that we notice in the New Testament is that the Christian walk or the Christian journey is not simply an individual walk, but a congregational walk. When a person becomes a Christian, he finds other Christians in a church family to walk with, to journey with, to the celestial city. And the more fellow Christians that a Christian can find to walk with, the better off that Christian will be. You guys know that 
from experience. In fact, what is a local church but a group of believers who have covenanted to walk together, to journey together to the celestial city? That's what Cornerstone and all other churches are. This coming August of 2021 will mark the 40-year anniversary of Cornerstone's very first Sunday worship service at the home of Ed and Leah Lindsay on Lantana Street here in Riverside when a small group of people decided that they would begin walking together as a community toward the celestial city. There are only a handful of people who started this walk back in August of 1981 who are still walking with this congregation today. Some of that original group have moved on to other locations and to other congregations. Others have finished their journey at the Celestial City. But before they did so, they handed off the baton to others in this church who now carry on where they left off. And here we are today in the 40th year of Cornerstone Fellowship Bible Church's existence, still walking together, carrying on in that journey begun by that small group of believers back in August of 1981. And what a year this 40th year has been for us, right? We were walking together quite normally until COVID hit in March of 2020, causing us to shut down every in-person event for three months. During that time, we did our best as a congregation to use electronic means to journey together, and we were very thankful for these technologies, but we also longed to be in the physical presence of one another again. We took some solace in Dietrich Bonhoeffer's words when he writes, and I quote, the believer need not feel any shame when yearning for the physical presence of other Christians. The Christian recognizes in the nearness of a fellow Christian a physical sign of the gracious presence of the triune God. We resolved during those days between March, April, May, and the 1st of June, that we would never again take for granted the privilege of gathering together physically with one another, and we have not since. On the first Sunday in June, we were delighted to resume meeting together in person here in the church parking lot. In September of 2020, we resumed adult Sunday school, and then shortly thereafter, our high school and junior high Sunday school classes began, and then later, our second to fifth grade Sunday school class. Our care groups have continued to meet, some of them on Zoom and others in person outdoors, and some are doing both at the same time. Our weekly enrichment ministries have resumed as well from our men's and women's Bible studies to youth meetings, college career, and Awana, some of them using Zoom and others meeting in person. 
Looking back, I'm actually amazed at all that was accomplished in the year 2020. What's obvious to me is that we have a congregation of fighters who have clawed and scratched for every opportunity to come together with one another. I've been amazed sometimes at how complicated it can be to just have an in-person service outdoors and how much thought now has to be put into rendering ourselves able to have a ministry meeting or a worship service outdoors. On top of that, meeting outdoors as often as we have done has required a lot of extra work from a number of our volunteers and our facilities crew, but they have, have been up to that task. And there is now a lot to show for what we as a congregation have done with the opportunities that God gave to us in the year 2020. 2020 has not been a wasted year for us as a church, waiting for COVID to be done with so that we can get on with doing what a church is supposed to do. That's not what we have occupied ourselves with in 2020. Challenges have been met over the past year, and in fact, many memories have been made during the summer, during our worship services, and have sat through uncomfortably chilly temperatures in the fall and winter. In one service, some of you will recall, we started to get rained on during the singing part of our worship, and you guys just kept singing. And eventually the rain stopped. In another service, a rattlesnake paid us a visit and learned very quickly that Project Hospitality did not apply to him. In another service, a young man came crashing into our seating area on a scooter and had to be taken down by some of our men who know how to handle such situations. On another weekend, we met when the air quality was very poor, so poor we almost canceled the service due to fires that raged in various locations. Some of the services, I just thought, man, no one is going to show up. And uh, sure enough, the setup crew was here early, AV team was here early, and you guys kept showing up, gathering together to fellowship with one another and to worship God. And you have thrilled my heart and the heart of the elders again and again and again over this past year. In the years to come, we're going to speak of the year 2020 with fondness, and we're going to relish telling the stories of what we did, what we encountered as we strove to keep walking and keep worshiping together as a church. Despite the challenges of this past year, worship services have been held, and the Word of God has been preached and heard. People have been counseled and Bible studies have been held, believers have been baptized, and people have joined our church, demons have been cast out, and the sick have been prayed for and anointed with oil, and God has shown himself faithful to us as a congregation at every turn. When we add up those who are presently attending our Sunday services in person, and those who are attending in their cars, 
along with those who are watching the live stream of our service, just in this local area alone, our Sunday morning audience is larger than it was before COVID. And we rejoice in that. On top of that, our giving for the year 2020 has been significantly higher than anything we've ever experienced before in the history of Cornerstone. Your giving over the course of 2020 was $300,000 above budget. We had a couple unusually large donations come in during the year 2020, but even if you remove those large donations, your regular giving over the course of the year was still greater than our budget. We praise God for your faithfulness in giving to the Lord this past year. Uh, and I'm not even speaking about the Agape Fund. As for our Agape Fund, we could not give Agape Funds away to those in need fast enough to match what you were giving week after week. We dispersed almost $77,000 from our Agape Fund in the year 2020, which was a record disbursement to those in need, but that amount was not nearly as much as the $148,000 that you gave to the Agape Fund. Again, we praise God for your faithfulness in giving to the Lord's work. What's crazy to me also is that this past year, we lost a number of really great families who have moved out of state. I think I'm going to file a lawsuit against the state of Texas <laughs> and Idaho, and I'm going to add North Carolina to, to that suit. But we've lost a number of families who the Lord has led to move elsewhere, out of state. Yet at the same time, God has brought us some equally wonderful people and families to fill their shoes. We cherish the marks that have been made by those who have left us. And we're grateful for all of you whom the Lord has brought to us over the course of this past year. God has been exceedingly good to us over the course of this past year, and all that he has done for us sets us up for the journey that still lies ahead of us that I'm excited about. Since we moved to the Bournes campus in June of 2014, our vision here has been growing responsibly in the place of God's provision, growing responsibly in the place of God's provision. And that is still our aim. Our project hospitality is unchanged, representing our desire to show the hospitality of Christ to those whom the Lord brings to us, not only accommodating them for our on-campus ministries and our worship services, but also welcoming them into the body life of Cornerstone. We have never viewed this campus as the be-all and the end-all of church life, but merely as the front porch that all of our care groups and households share in common. That said, I am so grateful that God has led us to this wonderful place on Columbia Avenue. 
the Bournes team has worked with us at every turn over these past 11 months as we have sought to adjust to the circumstances of the moment. Other churches bigger than ours do not have the luxury of the amazing parking lot that we have here. They don't have solar panels that can provide shade and allow for shade sails to be stretched between the rows of solar panels in order to provide even more shade. But God has blessed us with that here. And by the way, how do you like the new carpet in our sanctuary? I love it. I love it. We have been here at this address for six and a half years, and I feel like we're still pioneering. Pioneers exploring our use of space that is available here on this campus. During this past year, we've made richer use of the courtyard than we've ever done before, along with other outdoor spots where our care groups have met on on campus and our Sunday school classes have met. Due to inclement weather, uh, we've had to have some of our ministry meetings and even a couple worship services indoors, and we were recently delighted to learn the results of a professional survey of the air circulation system inside of the Bournes building. We learned that the air exchange rate in the building is 50% higher than the minimum recommended in a post-COVID world. With the filtration system already in place to filter out droplets containing the coronavirus. Gordon and Jill, uh, we have been grateful from day one for your hospitality to us as a congregation, but it is also clear to us that God led us to this place for such a time as this. And we want to thank you for your hospitality to us over this past year. Can we express our appreciation to them? And speaking of hospitality, back in November of last year, we were engaged in a mutual conversation with Gordon about our limited use of the indoor facilities under current circumstances. And as a part of that conversation, Gordon came to us offering Cornerstone three months of suspended lease payments, which amounts to a reduction of over $37,000 from our lease payments for the year 2021. We're just so thankful for God's goodness and the way that the heart of our Father has been expressed to us through Brother Gordon. As elders... Uh, We did not feel that this offer was owed to us, especially given the fact that our lease rate with Bournes is already below market value and has been over the last six and a half years. So we viewed this offer from Bournes as an exceptional kindness to us. And our elders sat on this offer for almost a month before we were unanimously agreed that we should accept it with deepest 
appreciation. I'm sure you guys have heard the saying, in fact, someone mentioned it already to me this morning, that hindsight is 2020. Well, with 2020 now in our rearview mirror, we can actually say that hindsight is 2020. And what I see in hindsight is the bright red line of God's amazing faithfulness to Cornerstone through the full length of the year. If there ever was a year when I've seen God reveal himself as a God who can be called upon in times of trouble, it was the year 2020. If there ever was a year when I have seen that God is a God that we can always approach and ask for wisdom, and he gives it generously to all who ask, it was the year 2020. If there ever was a year when I have seen how much God loves this church and the people of this church, it was the year 2020. The hero of 2020 for Cornerstone is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. None of us saw 2020 coming, and from one standpoint, I would not wish 2020 on my worst enemy. Yet I would say that this has been one of the most satisfying years in my 29 years of pastoral ministry. I will never forget the ways that God has shown himself faithful and strong and wise to this church over the course of this past year. During this past year, we've seen how God put our ministry leaders and our care group leaders in place for such a time as this. We're grateful for the hard work that our ministry leaders have done to lead their ministries through the challenges of this past year. We're grateful for our care group leaders and for how they have overseen the care of the members of their group and helped their group members navigate through these challenging times. I'm thankful for the elders that God has given to us here at Cornerstone. I'm grateful for how these elders think like me. And I'm equally grateful for how each elder thinks differently from me. Together, we are wiser than we are apart. And the wisdom of these dear brothers has kept me from several errors of judgment over this past year. And I'm thankful for the staff that God has given to us here at Cornerstone as well. I have seen each staff member flex with changing circumstances and assume new roles in order to meet the demands of the moment. And I look back and see clearly that God brought us as a team together for such a time as this. And I'm grateful for you who have stuck with us and served in various capacities. If you had told me back in March that we would still be dealing with this pandemic the way that we are at this point of January, I would not have believed you. We have had 63 people, 63 people in our church family come down with COVID since March. Some of us have lost precious loved ones to COVID. 
and have had to deal with the painful restrictions of not being able to be with our loved ones as they were dying. We have over 20 of our members who work in the healthcare industry, and they have been working on the front lines of this crisis under grueling conditions in recent months. And our hats are off to every one of them who are seeking to be the hands and the feet of Christ in places where they are very much needed. But after all of that, in addition to the social unrest of this summer and the contested election in November, we are still here. And you are still here. You are still loving and still serving and still worshiping and gathering and continuing the journey together with us as we walk to the celestial city. And that leaves me very excited about what lies ahead in the year 2021 and beyond. There are three commitments that I just want to tell you real quick that we have for the year 2021. First of all, we will continue to use every available technology to get the content of our ministry to the people of this congregation, to those especially who are unable to attend our in-person services and equipping school. Secondly, we will continue to fight to preserve opportunities for in-person gatherings for those of you who are able to make it. And thirdly, as we wind our way through hopefully what will be the back end of this COVID crisis, we will continue to operate by the six principles that we have laid out for you on a handful of occasions. The first principle is the principle of prayerful trust in God to work through the hearts of our governing leaders whom he has established in authority over us. The second principle is thanksgiving. We are commanded, guys, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, to pray for our government leaders with thanksgiving. And here at Cornerstone, we will continue to give thanks for our government leaders rather than bash and belittle them. The third principle is the principle of submission and honor that we will seek to follow. In 1 Peter 2.13, we're called to submit for the Lord's sake to every human institution and ordinance. And in verse 17, we're commanded to honor the king, to honor those whom God has placed in governmental authority over us. And we believe that we obey these biblical calls by giving heed to the safety guidelines that our government officials have given to us so long as we can abide by these guidelines and serve the overall spiritual good of our people at the same time. The fourth principle that we will continue to operate by is the principle of humility. We elders are not doctors, nor are we public health experts. We believe it is the path of humility for us to accept the guidelines that we have been given with humility and to follow them as best as we can, so long as doing so does not cause us to violate a clear command of Scripture. 
And the fifth principle that we're seeking to follow is love. Following the path of love means seeking to do no harm to anyone and looking out for the physical health of our people and the health of those whose lives our people touch. That said, love also leads us to recognize that people's greatest need is spiritual, a need that is best met by a church that gathers to worship God and thrives in community with one another. The central mission of the church is not to protect people from a virus, but to preach the truth of the gospel and deliver souls from hell. Preaching a gospel which delivers people from sin and brings them into relationship with God and with his people who make gathering together a central part of their lives. And a sixth principle that we articulated as a standalone principle to you back in November of last year is the principle of freedom. Our approach to the remaining months of this pandemic will be characterized by a measured and responsible exercise of freedom in the application of health and safety guidelines. Whenever particular guidelines prevent us from fostering the maximum good of our people. If inclement weather makes an outdoor meeting impractical or impossible, we will continue, as we have been doing, to consider the option of meeting indoors in the Bourne's facility on such occasions, even if doing so is inconsistent with guidelines handed down to us by our government officials. That said, while indoors, we will still seek to follow particular health and safety guidelines as best we can in order to fulfill the spirit of the guidance that our leaders have given to us as much as we reasonably can. We want to be safe. We want to honor and be submissive to our leaders where that is warranted But we will also, as needed, exercise freedom in the application of the guidelines given to us in order to serve the ultimate spiritual good of our people. These principles have served us well over the past year. We'll continue operating by them on the road ahead. And we rejoice that in following these basic principles, we have been able to see Cornerstone brought to fuller function for the glory of Christ. So how long will we be out in this parking lot on most weekends? I don't know. I do know we're going to be together. We will be gathering together because that is critical to the life and well-being of the church. And with all of these thoughts in mind, I, I want to come back to the theme of walking We all as a flock have walked together through these past 11 months and we find ourselves now walking through 2021 together, but how will we walk through the days that lie ahead of us? There's a lot to be excited about, but there's also some threats that we need to be aware of. There are threats from within 
and threats from without. We all have indwelling sin, right? And we all experience the risings of that sin within us. We all experience temptations to behave and speak in ways that can do injury to others and foster division in the church. In recent months, I have realized afresh that I have enough sin in me to split this church several times over. At the same time, there are threats from without. The wickedness of our day is prevalent and it is enticing. There are lies that are being told that can easily pick us off. There are fears that abound that can keep some of us in this congregation from venturing out in faith and doing what we know God has called us to do. And there are the dangers of carelessness as well. And there are also the distractions of other noble causes that can distract us away from our central cause, which is the gospel. So how will we walk? Well, I know how we should walk because Paul tells us through the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 15, Paul says, Be careful how you walk. And that's what I want us to talk about with the time that we have left this morning. I want us to very quickly uh, go over six ways that we learn from Ephesians that we should walk through the days of this year. Six ways that we should walk as a congregation through this year. Number one, we should walk in good works. We should walk in good works. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul tells us how we formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. That's how we used to walk. But then Paul tells us how God has shown us his great love in saving us and making us alive through Christ as a gift of his amazing grace. And then he says in Ephesians 2.10, for we, speaking of us as believers, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We learn here that as we journey through life, to the celestial city, God has so ordained that we encounter opportunities to do good to others along that path. We should actually have an eye out looking for those opportunities, and we should see them when they come, especially prepared by God, and we should seize the moment to do the good that God has prepared for us to do. Let's not complain about the times in which we live Let's realize that these days already contain good works that God has prepared for us to engage in. To read here in this passage in Ephesians 2 that God has prepared good works for us to do should not cause any of us to groan, but should leave us encouraged in knowing that God has a place for 
us on his team. We should be encouraged to know that there are things that he has prepared for us to do every single day. Good works. These are unusual days that we are living through right now. But these days, I think, present us with more opportunities than normal to do good works. So what good works has God ordained for you to accomplish this year, this month, this week, even today, perhaps even before you leave this place today? The good works he's prepared for you could involve taking a meal to somebody or ordering a meal for somebody It could involve caring for a loved one in your home. It could involve sending a card or a letter or even a text or an email to a brother or sister who can use some encouragement. Look for these opportunities and rejoice when they come and do the good works that God has prepared for you to do for the benefit of others and never underestimate how much the smallest deed you do might mean to another person. There's a second way that we should walk as a congregation through the course of this year. Number two, we should walk worthy of the salvation we've been given. We should walk worthy of the salvation that we have been given. After detailing for us the glories of the salvation that we have been given through Christ in chapters 1, 2, and 3, Paul says in Ephesians 4, 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. You say, man, I want to do that. I want to do something radical. I want to do some radical, epic thing for Christ that is worthy of the salvation that I have been given. Paul would say, okay, I'm glad you're excited about that. Here's what you can do. Verse 2, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. How's that for epic deeds? These are the first descriptions out of the Apostle Paul's mouth and telling us what the worthy walk looks like. The worthy walk is a walk characterized by all humility and gentleness with patience, showing tolerance. For whom? For one another, Paul says. You want to know how to walk in a manner worthy of the salvation that you have been given? Look at your faulty brother or sister and be humble and gentle and patient toward them. Be tolerant and forbearing toward them. And what Paul means by that is don't let their immaturities and weaknesses and sins cause you up on your relationship with them. And realize that they're probably trying just as hard to have a right attitude about you. And be humbled by that. Paul then says, being diligent, literally being hasty, to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Some people, 
even in the church, are hasty to divide. Some are hasty to quarrel and to argue and then to separate. But Paul teaches us that walking worthy of the salvation that we've been given involves being quick to preserve and protect the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace that exists amongst us who know the Lord. And notice, guys, that Paul doesn't say here being diligent to create the unity of the Spirit. Aren't you glad that's not our calling? But simply to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. It's not our job as Christians to create unity with one another. God has done that already in saving us through Christ and in giving us one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one body, and one spirit, and one hope of our calling, one God, and one Father of us all. He's done all the hard work needed to unify us, like shedding the blood of his Son on the cross. Our calling is simply to preserve and protect this thing that God has put together to preserve this unity that God has wrought for us in Christ. And we need to remember this challenge more than ever today. We live in a divided world full of people with strong opinions and who are quick to write off anyone who disagrees with them. And all this division in our world today honestly provides the church an incredible opportunity, an amazing opportunity to show the world what true unity actually looks like. A unity that at its core is based on fundamental things that we are absolutely agreed on in Christ and a unity that still holds us together despite the secondary things that we may disagree on. These days represent our time of opportunity to show the world this kind of unity, and yet it's our belief as elders that the days ahead are going to be especially challenging for churches to remain unified as primary issues in the minds of many are becoming secondary issues and as secondary issues are becoming primary issues in the mind of too many Christians. In order to stay unified, we must let ourselves be shaped by Scripture and not by our media. We must spend more time reading our Bibles than we spend in taking in the news. We must make sure that we keep primary things primary and keep secondary things secondary. This involves us keeping the gospel central among us and staying committed to each other through the ups and downs and the blessings and the hurts and even the disagreements that come with doing life together as we journey to the celestial city together. I hope you'll be committed to doing that. There's a third way that we can speak about how we should walk as a congregation through the year 2021, and that is we should walk differently than the world around us walks. We should walk differently than how the world around us 
walks. We should quit looking at the world and seeing what the world does and then try to adapt to fit with what the world is doing. But we should relish the opportunity to walk differently than how the world around us walks. Beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 17, Paul says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. According to Paul, the world around us outside of Christ walks in the futility of their mind. They think themselves to be wise, but they are fools. They follow their minds as if their own minds are worth following, yet their minds, Paul says, are darkened with ignorance. And their ignorance of the truth is not because the truth is not available to them, but it's because of the hardness of their heart. They hate the truth. And this is no more evident than in their sexual morality. People in our world, the world over, in our culture especially, establish their own systems of morality so that they can live in every kind of sensuality and immorality that they desire and call it good. That's our world today. A world in which right is viewed as wrong and when what is wrong is viewed as right. A world in which a biological boy is not necessarily a boy and a biological girl is not necessarily a girl. A world in which a beautiful baby in the womb is a blob of tissue that can be discarded. A world that you've noticed, has created its own new set of blasphemy laws. We used to have blasphemy laws in this country where it was illegal to blaspheme God. Nowadays, you can utter any form of blasphemy against God without consequence, yet if you dare to utter a derogatory word against homosexuality, you will be shunned by our world with more severity than the Amish ever did to one of their sinning members. The new deity of our age is the self. And there's a price to pay for anyone who would dare to speak a contradicting word against somebody's sense of self. This is our world today, so what will we do? Will we roll with the world and just walk as the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind? No, we will walk as Christ calls us to walk as a church. We will not embrace our old self and call it good. We will, look at verse 22, lay aside the old self 
which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and we will put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. This is part of what it means to walk differently than the world around us walks. There's a fourth way we should walk as a congregation through this year. Number four, we should walk in love for one another. We should walk in love for one another. Beginning in Ephesians 4, verse 31, look at what Paul says. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ also has forgiven you. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma." Notice, again, how much attention Paul seems to give to how we relate to each other in the church. Before he tells us to turn outward and do some radical thing that will grab the world's attention, he first tells us how to treat one another. Evidently, in the mind of Paul, next to the salvation of an individual soul, The greatest miracle in all the world is a group of saved people coming together and simply getting along with each other, loving one another and forgiving one another and being tenderhearted toward each other through the ups and downs of doing life together. This is what the world saw in the ancient church, leaving them to exclaim how they love one another. That's what the world used to say about Christians, how they love one another, how willing they are to die for each other. And that's what the world should see in us too. A community of Christians walking in love for one another is one of our greatest gifts to the world. By this, Jesus says, does he not? All men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So let's walk in love this year. There's a fifth way we should walk as a congregation through this year. Number five, we should walk as children of light. We should walk as children of light. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, beginning in verse 3, but immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. 
walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. Notice here that God doesn't merely want us to talk as children of light, though we should, but to walk as children of light saying no to evil and yes to righteousness. If we walk as children of light, then we as a church will be the light that God wants us to be, a light that our dark world desperately needs. Guys, if we as the church are not going to be the light, where will the world ever get any light? If we go dark as a church... If all churches went dark, there would be no light. But if we walk as children of light, we become luminous as believers, walking in goodness and righteousness and truth, then just in that alone, we expose the spiritual poverty of the world around us. We expose our society's evils for what they are. And we're thus able to point others to the true light of the world, who is Jesus. But we must walk as children of light. There's a final way we should walk as a congregation through this year. Number six, we should walk as wise people. We should walk as wise people. Paul picks up in Ephesians 5.15, And he says, therefore, be careful how you walk. Look at how you walk, Paul says. Not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. How should we walk? As wise people. How do wise people walk? They make the most of their time. Because they understand that the days are evil. They understand the times in which they live. And that makes them all the more diligent. They don't say, you know, the days are just so evil all around. And that's my excuse for why I walk in evil. Or I've just given up. No, they say the days are evil. And that's precisely why I am so careful to immerse myself daily in God's word so that I can walk in God's wisdom and walk as a wise person in the midst of these evil days. Speaking of walking as wise men, Paul elaborates and says in verse 17, so then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. If you're going to walk as a wise person, you can't be foolish And you must understand what the will of the Lord is. And how do we do that? By reading and by studying his word. And by valuing the preached word in our lives. Paul continues in verse 18. 
and says, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And then Paul immediately goes right in to telling wives to submit to their husbands and to respect them, telling husbands to love their wives and to nourish and to cherish them like Christ loves the church, and telling children to obey their parents, and telling parents to bring up their children in the nurture and discipline of the Lord, and telling workers to be faithful to those they work for, and telling all of us to put on our armor and be ready to fight. This is how God wants us to walk through 2021 and what he wants us to occupy ourselves with doing. This is how we best serve one another, and this is how we best serve the world of our day. Walking this way is our greatest gift to the world. It's our greatest gift to each other. It's our greatest gift to the Lord who has given us so much, and it's our greatest gift to all those whom the Lord wants to bring our way during the days of this coming year. And you know what's really cool for me as a pastor? I, like, I look at all these things in Ephesians about how we are called to walk, and I see faces, and they're your faces. Because even though I know all of you are thinking, man, I can do so much better, so many of you on so many levels are already doing these very things, and you are an inspiration to me, and it's noticeable to others. Just this past week, a man approached me before our men's Bible study on Tuesday evening. He was sharing with me how appreciative he is for God leading him to Cornerstone a few months ago. He comes from a different denominational background, but he has found his heart deeply helped by the ministry of this church. He's been doing a lot of Bible reading, he told me, in his search for a good church, and he said to me something that I'll never forget. Speaking of Cornerstone, he said, what I read in the Bible, I see here. What I read in the Bible, I see here. That made my day. Partly because I've been a part of this church for 29 years. And after being here for 29 years, I could also say what I read in the Bible, I see here. I see in you. And that's why there's no place where I would rather be in the world than with this flock, walking with you through and participating with you in our ongoing effort of helping people to journey from brokenness to wholeness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I praise God for his goodness 
to us as a church, and I praise him for the blessing that you are. And if you don't mind, let me just go to the Lord and thank him for you. Let's pray together. Lord, what a, what a 12 months it has been since our last annual meeting. But what sweet memories have been made. Memories of your goodness and your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, for the precious brothers and sisters here in this church body. And all the ways they pastor me by their example and by the evident work of grace that is in them. I pray that you would help me to be more like them. But I thank you for such wonderful brothers and sisters that are my companions in this journey that I and we all are on to the celestial city. What a pilgrimage this past year has been, and what a pilgrimage the whole journey will be when we reach the celestial city. We give you all the glory, Lord, for your goodness to us. As we look into the days ahead, we're, we're sobered by the times in which we live We're sobered by the threats, both within and without, that face us. We ask that you would help us to walk in the ways that we have just reviewed from the book of Ephesians this morning, that we as a church would truly be luminous with your love, that a light would this church body that gives warmth and and light to the world around us, that people under the brilliance of that light would be able to see themselves as they have not seen themselves before and see you as they've never seen you before and see their need for you and come running to you, Lord. May we so walk with you and walk with one another and display your love for one another that there will be people this year who witness that and hear our testimony and hear us declare the gospel to them about our Lord Jesus Christ that they would respond by viewing it as an intolerable suffering to live one more minute apart from such a wonderful Savior. We give you all of the glory, Lord, for all that you have done. And our goal is to hold your name high and to point everyone to you. And we ask that you would help us to do that for your eternal glory. And we ask all of these things, Lord, in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen.